This is the UK House Builder and Developer from Good to Great series with Gerard Ball, Managing Director of Human Capital Group, helping you build your UK house building teams and businesses fast. We find the top 15% of talent in the market by harnessing the power of big data, 24-7, 365 digital automation platforms and inbound strategies. Leveraged by 20 years successful mid to senior level recruitment experience. This is the second instalment in a three-part series of interviews in which two former regional chairs and leaders within the SME and PLC housebuilding market, Andy Beasley and Darren Humphreys, explore the true cost of a bad hire. This episode focuses on the roles of commercial and technical director. Together with Human Capital Group Managing Director Gerard Ball, the pair analyze the critical aspects of interviewing and appointing the right candidates for leadership positions, the strategic and financial value that each role brings to a business, and just what impact the wrong hire can bring about. All podcasts and webinars are available on www.hc-group.co.uk. Hello again, this is the House Builder Business Resilience Hub and UK House Builder Good to Great podcast series, and this is part two of what is the cost of a bad hire. Last time we looked in depth, uh, as people know who were on it, we looked at the managing director, the land director, and the construction director, and the value which they bring to the business unit. This week, we're going to be looking at the commercial and the technical director. That's going to be our key focus for now. If if there is time, yeah, if there is time, we will also cover sales and finance, but we may also do that in a in a separate episode, just so just so that everybody is aware. And we're going to really be looking at, you know, the value that these disciplines bring to the business units and also uh, what is the cost if you get the hire wrong. So once again, I'm joined by Andy Beasley, who was regional chairman for Bellway uh, for 10 years, overseeing six to seven offices. Welcome, Andy. And also Darren Humphreys in my my top left-hand corner, (laughs) who was uh, CEO at SME Rectory Homes, also Divisional Managing Director at McCarthy and Stone, overseeing three different offices, and has been hugely successful as a managing director within big volume businesses, including Carla and David Wilson. Hello, Darren, how are you doing? Uh, Very well, thanks, Charles. Fantastic. We're just going to recap on the scenario which we covered beforehand to look at the value that these guys bring to the businesses. But we were looking at the fact that if uh, if a regional office was producing circa 500 units with a turnover of 100 to 125 million pounds, what type of profit this business would make? And we said that last time that the that a business unit would look to make 25% gross margin on your overall land cost. Was that was that correct and agreed? Ballpark. Yeah. And then by the time you deduct your overheads and selling costs, advertising, sales advisors, et cetera, we're probably looking to maybe make 20 to 21% overall, in roughly ballpark figures. Yeah? yeah as a target, yeah. As a target. Okay. So look, let's start with the commercial director. So first question then, if the commercial director's team is all okay, it's working well, it's working efficiently, as a percentage of the overall profit, what would you feel the commercial director contributes if he performs adequately? I'll start with Andy. 
Well, again, as with every director, difficult to put percentage or figures on their performance. It depends which bits are. You know, if it's all performing well, I mean, as we've said previously, teams will hit the sort of numbers that you've mentioned. But again, if you've got a poor commercial director not placing these orders on time, not producing monthly valuations, not paying people on time, you know, you'll head towards issues and problems with other departments. I often refer to the commercial and the technical uh, directors, and, and often the, the, sometimes these roles are binding companies. I often refer to them as the, the old steamship there, the boiler room, hidden down dark in the middle. But without them, the team doesn't function because, again, the commercial liaise with the, all aspects of the business. A good commercial director You'll hit your numbers, tick over, and the day-to-day will be good. You know, you get a poor one, you'll start to hear complaints, I think, from different parts of the business, and it will hurt financially. Right. To what extent? Very difficult to put a number on it. Darren? I suppose, firstly, there's a slight bias for myself being an ex-commercial guy. But, you know, for me, it's the role that pulls everything together. You've got all that technical information coming in. You're taking all of that. You're trying to then put the supply chain together, ready for the construction guys to go and deliver the project. If that goes wrong, the implications of it can be quite substantial. And they almost sort of provide some of the glue that sticks some of the processes together. So, yeah, if if, if it goes wrong, it can be quite fundamental. There's a whole host of challenges there around how they do it and how they deliver it that can give different problems, but it can be everything from delays to cost overruns and a whole host of outcomes that you're, you're desperate to avoid. So significant, same as Andy, I'd, I'd struggle to put a number on it percentage-wise. But, yeah, it's it, it's clearly a key role within the, within the business. When we're at, at interview stage, yeah, what, what attributes are we looking for? I think somebody that can communicate, again, with a, a team of people, oversee that team. The one thing that I've probably learned in 40 years, Gerard, is that, again, I'm, I'm like the same as Darren, actually, I'm a QS by background. I saw the light there and moved on. I think probably what's changed is that, you know, when I came into house building in the 80s, it was a relatively simple model. And probably today, it's still a, a relatively simple model. But I think legislation, the things that you expect from people today, is just so much more. And the one thing that I look for from commercial and technical is their checking and their chasing abilities in terms of making sure that they deliver on time. Building directors are under phenomenal pressure to get onto sites to deliver units. You cannot afford not to service those departments. You know, So I'd be looking for somebody who comes across strongly that they can keep their team together, that they can deliver on time. They can get their, their inquiries out, their orders out. And then somebody that reports, again, you know, on a strict monthly basis with valuations. Right. Again, the guys are under phenomenal pressure to get monthly valuations out in amongst everything else they need to do these days. So I'm looking for somebody, a fairly strong personality again, I think, stepping forward that could convince me that they can run a good team of people. As Darren has alluded to, they have an awful lot of things to, to worry about in a month. So it's selling himself putting himself forward and convincing me that timescales, he can hit the timescales under pressure. Darren, at, at interview stage, is there, is there anything specific that you're looking for? 
I think the other thing for me with within the commercial team is just really making sure that you get somebody that appreciates value rather than just cost. And it's definitely a, a mistake that you can see quite a few sort of QSs make as they go through their careers, where it's just totally a cost focus. You know, and the right. sort of any wise, pound foolish springs to mind where you can try and cut costs to the absolute level that you put the wrong subcontractors on there, you won't approve variations quick enough. And actually, the consequential cost of that is far greater than the money they've saved. So particularly at commercial director level, I'm mm. trying to test whether somebody can really sort of think of the bigger picture, think of what the business is trying to create, rather than just thinking of his, of his valuation process and his cost control. It is easy when you're in that regular monthly reporting cycle on your CBRs, CVRs, everyone calls them something different, looking mm -hmm. at controlling that last pound or that last penny within it and not getting that big picture of seeing actually we're going to overrun by two months and the premium increase at the end is going to be far greater than the than the saving for an example so that's that's probably the only bit i'd add to the to the, to the brief that, that andy's given you know the team player and, and strong character is definitely a prerequisite as well in terms of you know when we're searching for managing directors and sometimes they are potentially looking for a disciplined director to step up into a managing director. There, there tends to be a big bias to look at a commercial director who's that person who can step up as an MD. What, what's the reason behind that? Probably because they all tend to be practical people. They're used to dealing with the sort of monthly cycles, evaluations, probably understand the profit. They're involved in the estimating and putting sites together. So, you, you know, they're numerous you know, probably a bit more so than perhaps the sales director. They do deal with a lot of detail. Strange one, actually, Gerard. I, I, I came from surveying. I moved into the bills and I made MD. And, and a guy said to me, a building director said to me, it's not very often builders make MDs. I then moved on to be a regional chairman. And everybody got me down as a builder later in life. But actually, I came from surveying background. I was probably a builder with the difference. They tend to be capable people, you know, trained people, I suppose. Whereas, again, sales director, you don't necessarily need a degree to be a sales director. You've probably got different strengths. Whereas commercial, financial, technical, you deal with a wide spectrum of the business over a period of time. And I suppose to a point, gain a greater, greater understanding and depth. It touches every discipline, probably with the exception of sales, where it, where commercial might not work that closely. But they're working closely with finance, technical, construction, even customer customer care to some extent. And they've got a reasonable team, so they've built some leadership skills up through that time as well. They're quite well placed for that. Their only challenge usually, or certainly my challenge when I first, first got promoted, was getting up to speed with that sales side of things uh, and learning how that works. But everything else, you've seen it and touched it. And then to make sure that we've got this hire right or our commercial directors, the right guy or girl for the team, as a managing director or as a regional chairman, in those sort of first three months, six months, what are we looking for them to demonstrate? Monthly valuations coming through on time. The quality of those valuations as well. It perhaps doesn't show itself immediately, but making sure that, you know, a lot of companies run on a three-month cycle on valuations. You know, so get them on time, making sure that 
you know, the next one doesn't come through in three months' time with errors or corrections to errors that were made in the previous one that, you know, is picking up younger surveyors' inability to do things right or to provide all the right costs. One of the things Darren just touched on is the basics of new commercial directors into a business and quite a bit of argument where a new commercial director's come in, wants to make his mark, get the inquiries out, perhaps doesn't liaise with the building director or construction director too well, gets cheaper prices in than some of the more regular contractors that have been used and wants to you know, bring a lot of new blood in. Now, again, in, in, a, in a, a mature division, it's a balance. You need to provide and hit your numbers on site at the same time as being cost-effective. Now, as Darren's alluded to, initial cost isn't, isn't the final cost. So, and building directors, my experience, as I said, I've been one, is that they want to use favoured contractors who they know will work on site, hit the targets, and again, sites have a bad habit of starting late, but the dates don't move for the construction directors. So you need a commercial guy that has got balance. If he's upsetting the bill director too often, he's probably got the balance wrong. But tightening his corner to get new blood into the company, undoubtedly, is required at times, particularly if you're going to grow the business. But he's going to be able to liaise with the building, you know. So I'd be looking for positive words, I think, not necessarily from him, but from some of his colleagues around him and good feedback. You know, too often I've heard new commercial guys come in. And within the first six weeks, there's a real battle going on between him, the building director, with the MD acting as judge and jury on do we go with the cheaper contractor or do we go with the trusted contractor? And again, I've heard words from, I've said this before, I've heard warning signs from outside of that division because building director's not getting his way. He's talking to his colleagues and I'm hearing three days before I'm doing the division that, you know, there's a bit of a fight going on bit of a bug fight going in over contractors. Don't get me wrong, the commercial director has got a job to do and they often do bring new blood into the company. It'll depend, again, what circumstances coming in, into, the, into the division under. One with right. issues, he's going to have to be firm and have a good sort out. If it's a division that's working well, it, it's finding the balance without upsetting the apple cards, I think, is what I'd be looking for kind of looking for that healthy tension in the relationship between construction and commercial if there's no tension there at all then you've got one character that's that's too weak for the other and likewise you don't want two people that are that stubborn that it's like two rams butting heads all the time because that's yeah. not going to be productive as well i think the other thing I, for me a good commercial director early on is trying to get involved in the design process he's trying to look sort of upstream of his information coming to him and affect that design, you know, getting some input into particularly the civils, the abnormals, getting a contractor's view if needed. So before your technical, your infrastructure designs are finalised, you've had some commercial input into them there. You know, that's where they can really add value. Whereas the poor one might just sit back afterwards and say, oh, it's expensive because that's the way it was designed. You want the guy that's going to be designed in that way rather than just be happy to sit back and, and point the finger at someone else. Too often, people are in a rush to place orders and get on site. And again, you know, you get good feedback from roads and sewers and groundwork contractors. And again, a good commercial director might just slow it down. You know, when you've got manholes costing 
5,000-pound a time in rows and you've got four or five too many across a smallish site, you know, that, that's a big saving. And it probably takes quite a brave commercial director to sort of slow the site step down for a week or two to sort of get it redesigned, but it's a good point well made. In terms of time frame, as, as with all of these positions, you know, I think it's clear that you, you, you get any of these hires wrong, it's costly to the business. So it's about kind of managing that and making a decision whether this person is the right hire or, or the wrong hire. Let's say if this is a, you know, it's an okay, it's a decent performing division. There's, there's not really too many major issues within the department. What type of time frame are we looking to make our call where we're, we're happy with it or where we're thinking we've got this wrong? When, how long should it be taking for us to decide whether he's a good or a bad hire? And are there any KPIs to look at? In terms of timescales, if you're picking up a region that's that's been performing well from commercial, yeah. it's relatively quick for someone to settle in. And certainly within that sort of three-month period, you'd be getting a good feel or you'd be getting, you know, the alarm bell starting to go off if you think you might have got the wrong person. It would probably be becoming obvious to me in that sort of timescale. If you're picking up a complete mess, it can take a long time to, you know, to turn commercial around. One of the issues that you can have with with commercial, and in some ways, it's possibly almost a temptation for some of the better guys. If they've got problems, they try to cover them up. They try to sort of hide them. And if you've had that sort of thing going on for the new guy coming in, just as he thinks he's got on top of something, he, he digs something else up. And it, it really is, you know, you just keep finding skeleton after skeleton. It can be a long time before they get on top of it. So in that instance, it could well be six months before you're really starting to see any consistent performance coming through and a real confidence that you've got there. But even in that situation, if you've got the guy who's flagging the issues, can clearly communicate what they are, he's putting solutions forward, he's coming through to give you the confidence to say, I think we've got a problem, I think it's in this range, and can fairly quickly try and sort of narrow that down to get to get you to a worst case figure that you can start to work on you'd be looking for that sort of confidence to come through fairly early on, even in the poor situation, in my view. I don't know know about yourself, Andy. I agree, Darren. I mean, if if you've had a poor commercial director, poor control, and you've appointed and brought somebody in, the skeletons can keep coming out of the wardrobe. You think you're on top of it, you know, after two sets of evaluations. But, and again, what we've spoken about previously is the margin is dropping on a site. People will have skinned out the cost to complete. You know, it won't be enough money. And again, it takes quite a bit of organising to get to the bottom of it. And occasionally, sometimes, even in two valuations, there's off-site, you know, extensive landscape works. Somebody coming in will have probably have to sort out problem accounts with ground workers and roads and sewers. May not be looking at the cost to complete too well on, on things that have not yet started. And actually, there's not enough money in there. And again, it's Poor sites with poor margins, with problems that have have been there for some time, can be painful. You know, Jared, I've been there. You bring a new guy in, it takes 12, 15 months sometimes where you get the confidence that the guy is doing the job, but every valuation that you sit in, there's another problem. There's another problem, and it takes time. But you do get the confidence that the, the, the person in charge is actually sorting the problems out. It's quite hard for them, actually, because, again, I think they often feel that they're bringing the, the, the cost problems to the table and it's their, it's their fault when actually 
bid offered isn't their fault. You know, it's poor estimating, cost overspends, lack of control on sites. Uh, it can be a whole host of things, but actually, uh, if you've got problems, a new commercial guy can fill, and uh, it, it, I, th- I think it can be hard for them to keep coming to valuation meetings saying they've got another problem, another problem. But that's how we really need to. Good sites, margin rises, keeps rising, commercial can make one or two contingencies for things that, that may go wrong. Bad sites, they often go from bad to worse. And in fact, sometimes you just love to see the back of them. Just on a look, just you know, not to focus all our time on commercial, but it is it is interesting just because it's so so central to the success of, of the department. As ex-commercial directors and coming from surveying, did you ever get caught out by your commercial guys, your commercial director? Because you're ex-commercial, you're able to spot it that much quicker if the figures aren't tallying up. I've been fairly lucky that most commercial directors I've had over my over my career so far have all been pretty good. So I'm trying to think, I can't think of any major challenges that I've ever had. But it is easier when it's your discipline to be able to do yeah. your sort of deep dive in a, in a valuation review. For sure, if you spoke to some of my ex-commercial directors, they'd all say, oh, God, yeah, it was a right pain in the backside at time. <laughs> You've got to do it to get, you, get, your, get your own confidence that it, it's working correctly. Right. Uh, and it's easier to do that in your own discipline you know, than it is in anything else. So. I haven't been too bad, fortunately. My experience, yeah, Gerard. I worked for one PLC where the regional chairman would attend every valuation meeting. He chaired the meeting on a monthly basis in the divisions. Other PLCs that the chairman doesn't attend, but I attended monthly board meetings and we had a run through quite often after the board meeting, actually, with the MD and the commercial director just running through the valuations as to what we were feeding in. And going back to MDs with commercial backgrounds, it does help because you know, you get again you get this sort of rough idea of you know if you've got twelve months left to build and it's thirty grand a month uh, prelims have they got three hundred and sixty grand left to spend. Sometimes you'll say they've got four hundred and fifty, and you're thinking the margin's going up. They've got to save it. Conversely, they've got three hundred and sixty grand in twelve months, but the running costs have been forty grand a month. You know, and you look at them and think, doesn't quite have you, have, you, have, you, have you chopped your overheads back on site? You know, see, so probably one of the reasons commercial guys, because they do touch on a lot of parts of the business, you do certainly a senior level when you've been around for 20 years, you get a good feel whether things are right or wrong. I've not had four commercial directors working for me as an operational. I've gone in to run a company as an MD where they've got massive commercial problems. And going back to the cost, well, they've got major problems, full stop. They've got a poor set of directors. A couple of them have gone before I got there. But again, the commercial guy, he wasn't up to the role. Uh, we, we parted company. And again, you've then got the problem. You know, he was a poor guy. He got poor people working for him. You know, yeah. so again, you bring somebody in, it takes you months to sort the problems out, as we've alluded to, but it yeah. takes time to replace. You know, you're hiring and firing constantly. You get a new guy, only he doesn't like three of his surveyors. And again, recruiting three surveyors and bedding them in takes time. And again, yeah. depends on the system. Again, some companies, probably these days, most companies have woken up and they've got far better IT, but in, in years gone by, they used to run a lot on Excel spreadsheets. And the quality of Excel spreadsheets 
varied between some of the companies <laughs> are easy to miss things. Let's look at the technical and the technical director. In terms of their in- so, so you've made your hire at interview, you know, we're looking to the similar similar attributes, I guess, as as with all of the other disciplines. But but in terms of the impact when the technical director joins the company, what 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 are we what are we looking in that first three months to see if we've got the right hire or the wrong hire? For me, it's probably somebody that's aware of what's happening within the industry. When you look at the abnormal costs within any development, which is usually most businesses above ground, they know what they build for. They can do that bit relatively easily and get it right. If it's going to go wrong, it's it's in the ground. So, you know, I'd be looking for somebody that's aware of new technologies coming through, not necessarily somebody that wants to race away and be the first implementer of everything out there, because that's equally dangerous. But likewise, when there's new methods coming through of reducing your costs, somebody that's open-minded to trialing that, using it at the right time. I'd probably also be making sure, you know, a lot of people from a technical background are quite sort of detailed focused. So somebody that's bigger picture and can lead a team as well. Because again, it's it, it's quite easy to find people that are, or it's easier to find people that are technically very good sometimes, but might not necessarily be the best best team leader. And if you're looking for a technical director, you know, as much of it is about leading the team as it is, as it is actually sort of knowing the detail of what's going on. Andy? Well, all the things that Darren said, you want somebody who's technically astute. I have a lot of sympathy with technical directors these days. I think they deal with something that is dealing with third parties where their priority, where the technical director's priority is not the third party's priority. You know, dealing with local authorities and getting approvals on roads, sewers, anything they need to get approval on. You know, you're dealing with third parties who often they haven't got the resource, you know, so getting your prob- your, your approval to the top of their in-tray uh, and getting building directors on site on time, very, very difficult. I mean, if you do, some of the stuff these guys deal with, you know, A, they need to be technically astute. They need to have a good personality and being able to persuade people to uh, work with them, get their approvals out. I think they also occasionally feel with technical directors that they have got a problem with the local authority. And they need to get in there. They need to organise the meeting, liaise, the and push, push hard. And what I've found is that some are better than others. In fact, I'd almost give, it, 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 forgive a technical director for not being technically astute, for actually, if his if he's quality was for actually liaising with third parties and getting me in on site on time. I think, again, Something I'd be looking for if you if you got a new hire is that in his board papers and in board meeting, he's giving you comfort that you know he's check he's working through his checklist that he can get you on site and that he can disseminate that we can start without being in breach of you know local authority rules. Uh, and again, that's a that's a tough job these days because again, some it's a judgment call for some of these guys. Some authorities are worse than others. You know, so a technical director. The build director works with a lot of third parties, but we have a lot of control because ultimately they have to check that it gets paid every month. Technical right. director deals with a lot of third parties. When they yeah. say jump, just do not respond. And the number of technical approvals you need on some of these sites these days, again, the legislation is vast, and they have to pull an awful lot of it. And they, again, 
like your commercial guy, I think technical feed every department in a division. You yeah. know, sales, commercial, bills, they are involved, which is why I go back to say, you know, I used to call them the boiler room, you know, because they don't put the coal in, in, the, in into the, uh, the boiler. It, it just doesn't happen. And too often the commercial side, well, went to technical, the builder side, went for technical. Well, they, you know, and quite often you'll hear the sales side are waiting for technical because they were waiting for approval on this, that, and the other, aren't they? You know, so very difficult position. Good technical directors, exceptionally good technical directors, I think are very hard to come by. What's the difference in value that an exceptional guy, exceptional technical director brings to a, a mediocre technical director? And can we carry a mediocre technical director? If the rest of the board's strong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I personally wouldn't. I sat in too many meetings in my life, uh, listening to this is going to happen next week, and then I'm back a month later, only to find that it didn't happen the following week. And oddly enough, it's going to happen next month. One of my expressions in a month, we go back two months, and too often. <laughs> Part and parcel being the technical director, I suppose, but the good ones seem yeah. to be able to make it happen. And again, one good people, poor ones, too often I've encountered too many late site starts, too many issues. Control of consultants, you know, we go back to third parties. Technical directors are in control of a lot of a lot of consultants. And again, too often, in my opinion, they deal with one or two poor consultants because they like them, but not necessarily because they deliver on time. You know, so I find technical can frustrate you in meetings probably more than anybody else, actually. <laughs> if you look at the mediocre one, for, for, for me, I would always put the construction director, commercial director and technical director. The three of them are the triangle that all sort of, you know, comes together. If any one part of that triangle doesn't work, it puts an awful lot of pressure onto the other two to sort of fill the gap. And I have seen times where, you know, a, a strong commercial and construction director can help a mediocre technical director and give them a bit of space to actually grow in and build and become that, you know, really strong technical director. You can definitely only cope with one one weaker point out of that triangle. If two go down, then it's all going to come crashing down quite quickly, would be would be my view. And echoing some of Andy's comments there, you know, that problem solving bit. And I know we're not doing lawyers today, but one of my real pet hates with lawyers is always, oh, I've emailed the other side. And you can see that with a technical director when you're saying, we're still waiting for this approval, we're still waiting for that. What are we doing about it? I've emailed them. Now, that is the one thing that will sort of get me wound up more than anything else. It's like, pick the phone up, speak to somebody, and you'll get a solution. Hide behind emails, and we'll still be sitting here in a month's time, as Andy says, having gone back two months at that point as well. So... Somebody that's proactive, you know, and, and sort of builds on those relationships. And once he's built the relationships, exploits them when he needs to. You want him to build those relationships with whether it's the local authority, whether it's the consultants. And when he needs a favour and we've got a problem, you want him to be able to pick the phone up and say, I've helped you out. Now's the time. I really need a favour on this. Can you, can you put a bit of extra resource behind it for me? And that's the difference between a good and a mediocre one for, for me that they've got those relationships. It goes back to my third party, Darren. I had a technical director work for me a few years ago, and he could open the back door to organisations in a real way. Of, he was ex-local authority, which helped. But like dealing with somebody like, you know, Seven Trent Water Authority, 
he seemed to be able to get information out of them within four or five days, where most people, as you say, batter around emails for weeks. It goes back to what I said is, you know, if you're back, if emails are going to and from, at what point does a technical director decide that he needs to get involved and sort something out and have that face-to-face? And it's certainly well. I think emails actually can actually be the scourge at a lot of companies at times. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as you say, it's easy for technical people to do that, isn't it? Yeah, too easy, unfortunately. You know, it seems to be quite a few, uh, a lot of warning signs when we've got the wrong technical director and a few red flags, you know, would be waving. In terms of timeline of when we think we know whether we've got the good hire or the bad hire, in, in terms of your first three months, six months, what are we looking for? How, how quickly do you think we can make a decision whether we've got the right guy or the wrong guy? The design process is quite slow. In terms of it's a lengthy, it's a lengthy process, not that the guys do it slowly. Mm. So the actual sort of, you know, from scheme design coming through to an output and, and getting something tendered, you know, it's difficult to actually see the commerciality of what they're producing quickly. Your KPIs are much more around how's your key dates, you know, performance going in terms of starting to get that routine and rigor into the team. Are they getting the output there? Are they starting to meet programs? Are they aware of where the issues are within their team? That's all the stuff that I'm looking at fairly early on. You know, within three months, I'd be looking to be getting a, a sort of warm feeling. And, and probably it's almost six to nine months by the time you're starting to see, you know, some actual measured output to right. really prove that you've got the right person. But you're looking at all the people skills and the, the efficiency of the department early on to get that, get that security that it's the right person. Going back to KPIs, Building sales and monitor on a weekly basis. I suspect every house builder going knows what reservations they did, what exchanges, what legal completions in the week from the sales team, the build team. They've probably got builders' reports coming through, uh, health and safety reports. You know, so the KPIs on those departments tend to be very strict. Issued out on a Monday, every all the directors can see what's been going on in those departments in the last week. Technical, you go back to your checklist. Or you go back to the email, you know, did we get our section 104 last week for servers or our section 38 for roads? Well, the answer is we're almost there, we're almost there, you know, and, and it's a lot sort of grey area. In fact, I often <laughs> I sometimes used to refer to the technical uh, department as the grey area because, you know, you build that, you'll find out whether he's on programme or not very quickly. With it, you know, a new guy could be new. He's either going to pick up and run with what's going on, or improve it, or slow it down. Same with sales. Technical, Darren's alluded to, it takes a lot longer. You're never quite sure what they did last week or didn't do last week. It takes a bit longer to find it. Even when you read their board reports, I sometimes find that they're quite good at putting woolly uh, lines in board reports. And I often I often ask very specific, you go back to why commercial are good, is you ask very specific questions, and then you find out that, words that he's used didn't quite cover the situation. Uh, he didn't tell any lies, but he didn't sort of um, update me firmly in terms of what was going on. I think cumulative frustration, probably Gerard, with technical directors, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll go to meetings and think, you know, we're getting there, we're on time. We are, all, all companies have problems in technical because they're dealing with third parties. But I think you get a feel over a period of time of, this department just, well, again, if you run four or five companies, 
what I found is a problem division. You go, and without doubt, they have more issues and problems that they fail to deal with, and that may be bill, sales, technical. But you do end up with cumulative frustration. You drive away from the meeting feeling unhappy, uh, thinking, he told me that last month. He's telling me the same this month. We've not moved forward. And, and you know, bugging me four weeks later on the same meeting, <laughs> discussing the same item. You do build up a, a picture, and at some point you will take action. You know, but it's just how frustrated you are, I think, at times. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so look, I think we've probably covered enough there for, for this session covering the commercial and technical department. So we're, we're going to take a break and we will come back and uh, we will look at the final two disciplines. And we know that there's other parts of the company as well, health and safety and, and all the other parts of the business. But um, next episode, we're going to look at the, where am I looking at the finance and the sales for this closing of um, what is the cost of a bad hire. But once again, thank you very much, guys. As always, anybody listening or watching this, if you have any further questions, please do not hesitate to send them in and we'll make sure that you get we get your questions answered. Also, we will be sending out a questionnaire at the end, uh, which would be very, very grateful if you could reply to. Your feedback is really essential to the development of the House Builder Business Resilience Hub. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers, guys. Discover how to build your UK house builder business and attract the top 15% of leadership talent using one-to-many platforms, automation, and 24-7, 365 proven digital strategies before your competition. Be sure to subscribe for more podcasts from the Good to Great series, featuring leading voices from the UK house building industry, from small to medium businesses to leading PLCs. Don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content possible. For more information, call 0203 800 1080 or check out www.hc-group.co.uk and book a client or candidate blueprint strategy session.